few jokes to start out today. The child and his mom are in a uh, department store and in the toy aisle. And the kid recognizes like the most expensive toy on that aisle, just looks up and said, I want that. Mom says, we don't have enough money for that. Kid says, just go get money out of the wall. <laughs> Second joke. Guy's sitting at home one day, gets a call from his bank. Person on the other end of the line says, I'm sorry to inform you, sir, but your account is overdrawn. There's no more money in it. He says, what do you mean? I still have checks left. <laughs> now, I wanted to tell the last joke because in, I don't know, maybe a decade or so, the changing way that many of us pay bills, I'm not sure people will recognize the humor in that anymore. <laughs> but both these silly little jokes play directly right into today's message for Songs of the Spirit. Jesse J's pop, hip-hop, hip-hop, wonderful little sweet confection. It's not about the money. Price tag, the name of the song. That's the refrain. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. And the reason I wanted to choose this is because that phrase, it's not about the money, is really important here at Wellsprings. For all of you who have taken Wellsprings 2.0 or will take Wellsprings 2.0 in the future are listening to our live small group that we do over and over and over again. We use materials from a book by Brent Kessel called It's Not About the Money. Now, who is Brent Kessel? Brent Kessel refers to himself as a financial planner by day and a yogi by dawn. Both those things are serious and both those things are legitimate. He has hundreds of millions of dollars in other people's money in the market and he's been very successful. And he also has a disciplined and devoted yogic and meditative practice, both together. And I believe one of the reasons why Brent Kessel has been so successful in his life in so many realms, not just financially, is because of this. He knows, as his book title says, it's not about the money. Money is not just about numbers. Money is about desire and security and risk and love and compassion and power and disempowerment. It's all in there if we really scratch the surface and look at our relationship with money. And so I wanted to show you just one second. This is from Brent Kessel. He talks about. And by the way, if you want a copy of this, we can send you the slide. If uh, you take a look at your order of service. You see my uh, mobile number in there, 215-913-9989, for those of you who are listening at home at some point in the future. If you want a copy of this slide, Wanting Minds Desire, we'll send it to you. Now, Wanting Minds Desire, I'm not going to read all of these, but Wanting Minds Desire, you know, we all have wants, we all have desires, nothing wrong with that. The problem is when we do not take the time and the opportunity to get in touch with our wants and we're just driven blindly on with a sense of impatience or gotta have it now, must have it now, and never create any space around our desires. So that's the wanting mind. And Brent Kessel says with money and a whole bunch of other realms of life, it leads to a lot of unhappiness. He counters that or compares it to a healthier way of relating to our money. Heartfelt goals where it's not just about us in an egocentric way. 
It's not just about gimme, gimme, gimme in this moment, but opening up a heartfelt space and connection to what we really deeply yearn for in this life in a way that benefits us and also other people and also instills in us a sense of patience. Now, in that book, it's not about the money. This is just from the first chapter. and Some of you are familiar with this already, but I want to share with you another thing from the rest of the book, which is really absolutely wonderful. And you can go and to brentkessel.com and take this test that I'm about to share with you. It's your money archetype test. I'm going to share with you his eight financial archetypes. None of these are all right or none of these are all wrong. And none of us, I would guess, is only one of these. I, by the way, at this point in my life, and it wasn't always true, especially not before I got sober, from alcohol. I am at this point in my life a mixture of a saver, a caretaker, and an idealist. I'm not sure that my archetype, because I'm not even sure it merited being an archetype, my relationship with money when I was not nearly as healthy as I am now, what that would have meant. There's no all right or all wrong here. Each of these archetypes has a wholesome, and each of these archetypes has a harmful expression in our lives. I want to pay attention to one of these today. I want to focus on the innocent. Innocent sounds like a pretty good word, and very often in our lives it is. The jokes I opened with today are a silly expression of innocence in relationship to money. Now, this is what Brett Kessel means when he talks about money and the innocent archetype. It means that you, or we, avoid putting significant attention on money and believe or hope that it will all just work out for the best. Boy, did that used to be me and money, absolutely. Now, that has positive and also negative repercussions in our life. The positive is that it's all about hope and adaptability and flexibility, and money is not the center of our lives. However, the less hopeful version of that, the version that can cause suffering for us or other people, is the innocent who just sticks their head in the sand when it comes to money. I used to play a little game of hide and no seek with my bills when they used to come in. I lived in so much chaos at one point in my life. I almost not intentionally, Frank talked about intentional living. This was not intentional living this point in my life. I would, without really choosing to do it, make sure that I put my bills somewhere where I wouldn't get to them until they were already late. And so it just added stress. That's that negative archetype of innocence. It's not just individuals, though, who have these archetypes and energies and ways of dealing with money. Not just individuals, but also institutions have these archetypal relationships with money. Four months ago to the very day, I mean literally four months ago to the day, it was January 22nd, today is April 22nd. Some of you are here, many of you are here, not all of you are here. It was our fifth birthday Sunday, and I stood up here and I talked about where Wellsprings was and where we hoped to go, and also the current reality of our situation, and I shared two truths, although they seemed paradoxical or not. That in our first five years of being alive here at Wellsprings, we had experienced absolutely unprecedented growth for a new Unitarian Universalist community. That is a fact. And that also right next to that, we were having real financial difficulty. And the time came or was upon us 
in which we had to make some cuts, some difficult cuts that affected me as well as a number of other people personally. As we lived into this new reality over the last four months, this is what I can say. It's exactly how Ted ended his talk with us on Charge for Living this morning. Thank you. We have started to emerge, I believe, from that archetype of the innocent. Of an institution that sometimes like to pay attention to money, but not all that much. I mean, we're a faith-based organization. It's not that surprising, right? The response in our small groups, the opportunities we had to talk with each other. We didn't do one big congregational meeting about this. We did a series of small groups and many of you were there. We heard very honestly, sometimes with some real energy behind it. We would like more communication. We would like more information. We would like the opportunity to reflect on the value of Wellsprings more intentionally. What we heard from people is, although I'm not sure these words were used exactly, we want to go beyond the innocent archetype. Life is becoming more real here. And so what I can tell you four months on, four months the day since, this has been by far the most healthy financial quarter plus a month in the whole history and life of Wellsprings. Thank you. There is more detailed information that has come your way. There is more detailed information that will come your way. We are having our May congregational meeting a month, I think, from today, in which more information and more encouragement will be shared with you in terms of all the work we have done and are doing. We have our first ever committed stewardship team focusing on building a culture of generosity and cultivation of giving, not just because we owe each other, but because we want to feed and fuel the mission here at Wellsprings. For the first five years, we have lived as the innocent. I think we have shied away. I don't want to say too much. It is what it is. It is as it has been. We have shied away from talking about money, perhaps because so many of us who started Wellsprings had such negative experiences in our past spiritual communities in which money was done not from a place of ministry, but from a place of obligation and have to. Sad money, it is sometimes called. We want to do happy money. And so we have an underdeveloped, to this point, culture of giving and generosity. See, because Wellsprings, as some of you may know, was born with a silver spoon in its mouth. It absolutely was. We were born with a silver spoon in our mouths because people who did not know us decided that they wanted to gift us with the opportunity to grow. And so the fact that through our first five years, we had an immature stewardship culture. I bear a lot of responsibility for that, but I don't bear and I don't think any of us bear any blame for that because who in their right minds would not like to give young life the opportunity to remain as innocent as it could for as long as it could. Those of you who are parents know what I'm talking about. There's always that balance between how do we shield in safety and how do we encourage the baby bird to fly away from the nest? 
That's what we're trying to do here right now. This is the moment we are in. And so when I say there's no blame here, this is merely a moment and has been for the last four months of opportunity. It is a crucial moment when all of us wake up from that moment of innocence and recognize we are called to deeper awareness of our lives. And I am talking about much more than just money right here and right now. See, the emergence from innocence, sometimes intentional myopia, hiding our intentional, honest, internal gaze upon our lives. Sometimes it's very jarring. (laughs) Sometimes it can make us angry to wake up from our innocence. Sometimes it can make us anxious and fearful and worried to wake up from our innocence. But eventually... Kicking or screaming or willingly, we all have to wake up from innocence if we are growing, going to grow spiritually in this life. I mean, one of the world's most famous archetypes of awaking from innocence is the story of the Buddha that many of you know about. The story of the Buddha is that the young man, the young prince was born like wellsprings with a silver spoon in his mouth. And the Buddha's father The king wanted to spare the Buddha pain, the kind of pain that comes from losing our innocence in life. And so the Buddha's father spared him from ever realizing, at least up to his 18th birthday, that things change, that nothing exactly ever stays the same, that people get sick and that people die. Until one day, the Buddha saw all these things. It's an archetypal story, so they all happen in threes, and it happens in the space of about a week. And the Buddha recognizes. It's time to take the silver spoon out of his mouth. Innocence will not help him any longer. And as much as he or we may search for that place called a completely protected life, a completely safe life, it's just not possible And it's also not admirable. And so instead of seeking for himself an entirely protected life, the Buddha sets out as all people striving and aspiring for mature spirituality do. He switches goals from protection to connection. To connect honestly with the holy and hidden heart of his life, as all of us are called to do. This is true with money, even if it's not about the money. There's a woman named Christy Nelson that some of us have been working with in the springboard, the small group that we call Creating a Mindful Society. And Christy Nelson is a fundraiser. And her job as a fundraiser is not to just help individuals and institutions raise money. It's to help individuals and institutions exist in more intentional and aware relationships with their relationship with money. She says her goal is to help people bring, and I love these aspirations, the qualities of mindfulness, which are love and generosity and compassion and also rigor, a clear seeing to their relationship to money. She tells a story, humorless, a humorous, but also very honest about how she came to realize this in her life some years ago. She calls it sober seeing. Sober seeing is what she calls it. And she said she's a person in her life that has always struggled with her weight, always had struggled with how she perceived of her body. And she said whenever the issue of weight would come up, she would immediately go to this reflexive thing called I'm big boned, like fill in that space. I'm big boned. 
Until one day, she had an x-ray. And the x-ray showed... Her bones were her bones. And there was a lot of other stuff around her bones. Now, sometimes we all... I, I, I'm, we're not just talking about, you know, weight. We're talking about the ways that we perceive our lives. All of them. We all have the propensity to tell ourselves fictions and call it innocence. We all have the propensity, like in one of the most grotesque and humorous versions of this I've ever seen, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the Black Knight, if you remember that. It's just a flesh wound as he gets this arm cut off and this arm cut off and that leg cut off and that leg cut off. It's just a flesh wound. It's just a flesh wound. That is unwholesome innocence. Very funny, but unwholesome innocence. Because he's not paying attention to the fact he's bleeding to death. See, when we wake up from innocence with honesty and compassion and with generosity of spirit and rigor of mind, then real growth can happen. That is what has been happening at Wellspring the last four months. It is exactly, and I can only say, Ted, just namaste and I bow to you. That was beautiful. You gave me tears. It is exactly the kind of growth that Ted talked about today in his charge full living segment. Maturing individuals in maturing spiritual communities, learning to awaken beyond mere appreciation, but in active gratitude for the blessings of all of our lives and to exist in that truly engaged state of gratitude. This is not easy work, but damn, Ted, you showed it is transformative work today. You shared your heart with us. Thank you. That's why it is so important that we are waking up from our innocence and from many of the other trances, perhaps, I and other folks have here at Wellsprings today. Because the truth is we want and I want to do even more of what Ted reflected with us today. I want to do more ministries like our mindfulness small groups and our retreats coming up that give us the opportunity to cultivate with honesty, compassion and love a real perceiving of our lives. I want to do more ministries, transformative ministries with our kids like they're growing on right back there. Ow, our whole lives that equip them to face with justice, honesty and compassion. The fact that they are entering active or not. The sexual phase of their lives. And how can they do that in a way that respects themselves and respects other people? I want to do more and better ministry with our new addictions and recovery team. That in very quiet ways and by and large you're not going to hear many of the stories because that's the nature of this team. In its respect and in its confidentiality that is reaching out and working with people at Wellsprings who are struggling. And providing caring, compassionate presence with each other sometimes at the most vulnerable moments of life i want to do more and better with organizations like the lord's pantry and with the clinic and with other groups in chester county that serve the marginalized and serve the disenfranchised because we are not just an island unto ourselves here we exist in relationship with other communities i want to do more and better building on all that we have already done well and intentionally so yes it's not about the money and not but and money is the fuel for our mission. 
I hope that those of you who consider this place and these people to be your spiritual community give because of gratitude, yes, for all you may have received, but even more give as an investment. For the people who are not here yet, look to your left and look to your right and see the people who you don't know well yet and understand that our generosity is reaching them and making space for them. Because as it's not about the money, it's also not just about us. This faith, and especially the Wellsprings version of it, has power to transform lives if we will continue to exist as a generous, open-hearted, and open-handed kind of people. So I love that we can't afford to remain innocent anymore. But the one thing I love about this song, it's not about the money, but it doesn't say money doesn't matter. It says we just want to make the world dance. Charged full people make ourselves and they make the world dance. Helps us change a culture that, especially in terms of money, too often celebrates wealth for the sake of wealth. As if the fact that someone has earned a lot of money said something for good or for ill about their character. I mean, as the song says, the cha-ching, cha-ching and the ba-bling, ba-bling. And that sometimes it feels like so many of our truest heartfelt values merely have price tags upon them and are for sale. Living in this way makes so many of us, and it makes me from time to time, feel very anxious, very fearful, very competitive, very comparative. How am I doing relative to someone else? Not their goals, their heart, but the way their lives appear on the exterior. To learn to shift to a truly mindful, wholesome, loving culture of giving and generosity is to help us shift our relationship with money. And again, because it's not about the money with so much more in our lives. So as Wellsprings continues to grow, my hope is that we will continue to keep our charged full current strong so that we can connect. That's what a current does if it is unimpeded or unblocked. Charged full within ourselves, charged full between ourselves, charged full beyond ourselves. Beyond all price tags. Beyond all numbers we could put to it. Although, yes, the numbers are here. Beyond the price tags and into the inestimable and sacred worth of each of our lives. Amen. And may you live in blessing. Let's pray together. God of charge and soul, of that profound, holy and wholesome instinct that encourages us beyond hurts, beyond fear, beyond worry, to connect with our lives. May Wellsprings continue to be a community of connection, a community of change and transformation and deepening. As we go forth from this day, may we have that power of perception and awareness that allows us open hearted to enter ever more deeply and intentionally into our lives. And may all of us be blessed and grateful to do so. Amen.